podcast. This is Sabrina Monarch, and this is a show about spiritual lifestyle and personal evolution. I'm an evolutionary astrologer, a clairvoyant, and a thought leader, and I started this podcast to have more eclectic conversations about astrology as well as all things spiritual and personal development. On today's episode, I'm bringing you the astrology forecast for February 3rd to February 9, 2021, and this audio was originally shared to YouTube which is why you'll hear me say things like, like, and comment, though you could go find me on YouTube and leave a comment if you would like. It was fun to think about the transits this week in that I don't always include the asteroids, the aspects that planets are making to asteroids, but I was really feeling into the Athena transits because we have a Mercury Kazemi in Aquarius and a Sun Athena conjunction. So we have the Sun, Mercury retrograde, and Athena all joining forces. And this has so much to do with strategy and strategic consciousness. So I'll leave it to the forecast. Before we get into it, though, I have a little commercial to share, which is about an event of mine. It's my commercial. Um, And I recorded it on the full moon in Leo. So you'll hear me say that, but it's about a a workshop that I'm teaching coming up February 11th. And I would love to see you there. Then after that, we'll get into the forecast. And another announcement before we begin, I'm giving a talk called Pillars of Creative Mastery, The Grand Fixed Cross. This is an online event, and I'll be speaking through the Washington State Astrological Association. Um, But it will be an online event, so you can tune in wherever you are. It's happening on February 11th, and the spots are limited, so you'll want to sign up as soon as possible. The link is in the, the notes. But let me tell you about Pillars of Creative Mastery. This is a talk that I have shared once in Minneapolis. I think it was in 2019. um, And I'm excited to come back to this talk. Um, I've added a few things to it. But the the fixed cross is an ongoing meditation for me. The fixed signs of the zodiac being Taurus, Leo, Scorpio, and Aquarius. Each of these I associate with the creative life. So we come into this life with a cosmic inheritance, this purpose, you might say, that we are tasked to discover and cultivate. And by purpose, I don't just mean what we do or, you know, why we're here, like that's part of it, but it's also just who we are and being who we are. The fixed signs of the zodiac each correspond with elements of a creative life. Taurus relates to our cultivation of our individual essence, our resourcefulness and wealth, and our self-worth. Leo is how we radiate this essence outwardly, how we play, how we allow our light to shine forth. You know, from discovering our worthiness and our essence in Taurus, Leo is the externalization of that. Scorpio is how we connect with the depth of our unique soul imprint and our reason for existing through the language of our deepest desires. And Aquarius is how we tune into the greater intellectual context of it all and how we align our minds to channel brilliance. 
And I really mean that (laughs) channeling brilliance. I mean, it's like getting in touch with your genius, your higher self, tuning your mind to a frequency. Um, And we're always tuned into something, you know, it's getting really clear about what we're tuning into and building that channel. Yet each of these signs comes with challenges. We experience scarcity and deprivation with Taurus. There's the possibility of shame and feeling unseen with Leo. We can experience painful obsession, power struggles, and addiction with Scorpio, not to mention trauma, psychological fracturing, and disassociation with Aquarius. Because the fixed signs can be so stubborn, so fixed, as they are called, many of these issues are also stubborn in our experiences, like our lived experiences, yet they are not impossible to work with. And in this workshop, we'll discuss some of the things that helps alleviate them. This has been so amazing, you know, to have this map in my own life of just knowing the multivalence or the spectrum of these archetypes and feeling into how some of these deep, intense themes in life can be loosened and, you know, to gain more mobility. Embodiment is definitely one of them. Like even just physically shaking is a powerful activity for releasing stuck or stagnant energy in the body. And that's not, you know, where it ends, right? But then we could look at, you know, maybe cognitive work, analyzing our beliefs and the thoughts that we have and what kinds of actions we take based off of those thoughts. Um, And even just mapping that out and choosing to rewrite the story and take new actions is different than just letting these scripts go by unquestioned, right? So it's just super interesting that these archetypes that have so much to do with our biggest potentials also are these places where we get super stuck. We'll explore some techniques, some creative techniques for harmonizing these archetypes, like focusing on the positive or resourcing pleasure as a way to build resilience and magnetism and to shift one's vibration. Like this is such a magical thing that we have access to creating feelings, sourcing feelings in our own bodies to change our lives. Like it's, it's one of my favorite things. Many of us have heard that what we focus on expands. So Scorpio is this kind of intense focus, but do we value Taurus, what we are focusing on, or are we focusing heavily on lack? Cause we can fixate on that too. Over time, these dynamics of what we're focusing on build some mental and biochemical pathways. So it's kind of like an Aquarius Taurus thing. And we can reprogram these pathways to experience whole new worlds. One magical way to experience new realities, for example, is through the gateway of play, Leo. So today, full moon in Leo, you know, something I was writing about in the forecast was choosing an emotion and playing it out and how actors have this gift of getting into different emotional states at will and that we also can tap into that Um, and that when we play pretend or when we play it's kind of like a reality jumping activity and I think that we really downplay play in this culture to some extent of thinking it of it as this kind of separate thing like work and play or you play when you're not doing you know productive stuff when play is actually like a primordial, powerful, ritualistic gateway into new realms. 
So we'll explore these signs, the fixed signs of the Zodiac from a magical, empowering perspective to support you in making impactful connections on how you can facilitate your creativity. So the link to sign up for this talk that's happening February 11th, 2021 is in the notes for this episode. And I would love to see you there. Welcome, this is Sabrina Monarch of monarchastrology.com, bringing you the astrology forecast for February 3rd to February 9th, 2021. So we're just coming off of a full moon in Leo amidst this massive Aquarius stellium in the sky right now, a stellium being a collection of planets in the same sign, all conjunct each other. And the full moon in Leo, like when I think about Aquarius and Leo, Aquarius is about systems consciousness and a network, and it can relate to like being decentralized. So if you think about like the self, the capital L, capital S self and our sense of wholeness, and when that's decentralized, um, that could on the one hand be a very positive thing about feeling connected to many different people and different beings, non-humans too, um, feeling just connected to reality and feeling um, how we are part of the the hive. Um, from a trauma perspective, it's also parts of ourselves that are fractured off. Um, so we're not um, whole. Um, and I don't mean that in like a judgmental or, or like this bad kind of way, but just thinking about what's it like when parts of yourself that maybe you were connected with inherently as a child, you felt um, discouraged or you had a traumatic experience and you split off that part of yourself um, and it's kind of like in shadow. So when it comes back to, you know, thinking about this full moon in Leo, it's quite possible that a lot of us had some experiences that whether they were of a joyous or a challenging nature um, or a combination of both, that the dramas of our lives have been sufficient to put us back in touch with a part of ourselves that maybe we felt disconnected from, which is um, a boon. It is a blessing. It is what I say uh, coming back online. So thinking about literally being more alive and literally being more connected and then having to integrate that. So that's something that I think is worth meditating on and worth noticing is that if you're on a personal development journey of any kind where you are consciously healing or you're consciously bettering yourself or you're consciously living your potential, however you are framing it, um, the art of being yourself um, that when you connect with a part of yourself that you felt a, a dim or non-existent connection to in the past, that you, you then have to integrate that extra electricity and voltage in the system. So perhaps you're feeling that. And I'm going to start sharing uh, the forecast. This is a written forecast, so I read it um, and add some extra commentary. You can find the written versions at monarchastrology.com. And um, before I start, please like this video and um, leave a comment. Let me know what resonates with you or what you're thinking and subscribe to my channel, hit the notification bell and let's begin. So Venus and Saturn begin a new cycle together as they join up in Aquarius. So Venus and Saturn 
every single pair of planets has a cycle similar to the the moon, how we have a new moon and a full moon and so on. Um, the lunar cycle takes 28 days and then all the other planetary combinations have their various um, timing. So Venus and Saturn, if I remember correctly, it's some somewhere around two years um, that it takes for them to complete a cycle. So they're beginning a new cycle together. Maybe it's one year. Maybe it's one. I don't know. <laughs> don't, uh, I'd have to look that up. Maybe I'll put it in the notes, but um, they join up in Aquarius and Mercury and asteroid Pallas Athena fuse with the sun and Aquarius by conjunction. So they move into the heart of the sun. Um, so just thinking about our perspective on earth, um, seeing the sun and having like Mercury and Pallas Athena pass right in front of the sun in between us. Each of these events may speak to the possibility of reviewing our strategies. And there's two basic types of strategies um, that I want to draw attention to. One is unconscious strategy, which we can liken to the egoic structures that we possess that protect us from a core wound or a sense of powerlessness. Sounds serious, right? So I'm talking about ego structures, um, the unconscious strategies that we use to get by in the world. So if you had a particularly um, like... I'm trying to think of like a good example. The The one that was coming to me is like about toughness. Like if you had adverse circumstances in early life and you had to be tough, like you had to defend yourself, then as you get older and make choices in your own life and build a life for yourself, there may be a reality that life is not as hostile as it was um, when those defenses were created. And so we still have that strategy and we have to we don't have to, but we may choose to unwind and loosen it, um, which is then inevitably going to bring us in touch with the, the grief for the wound um, or the vulnerability that lies underneath. And the other kind of strategy that I'm talking about is conscious strategy. So something like a business plan or a conscious map of how you are going to reach a certain goal. Um, Ultimately, even our conscious strategies are subject to unconscious motivations and influences, which is why engaging in shadow work or personal uh, deconditioning is also an ingredient to real success in our lives. It brings fulfillment. It's um, courageous to examine ourselves and be in touch with the deepest part of ourselves. It puts us in touch with things that are difficult to work with or things that are big feelings to have, but it can lead to a deeper kind of honesty and intimacy um, that results in <clears throat> making choices that then feel more connected um, from that place. Uncovering and reworking some of our deeper patterns is something that is supported by engaging with the therapeutic arts and the personal development world, which is one of the reasons I love these things so much. It comes down to me, you know, this interest in the human condition and also a, an optimist side of me that wants to have a great experience here and wants to collect knowledge that helps others around me have a good experience. Um, and that, that involves ascending to the, you know, magical realms and 
being in touch with something beyond. And it's also like going into the underworld, going into the soul, going into the psyche and unearthing things like those are all part of it. They're all included, especially in astrology. And with the sun and Mercury, so this is Mercury retrograde, by the way, which I didn't state, but sun and Mercury forming a conjunction in Aquarius, it also speaks to moments of illumination in our everyday lives and the possibility that we might have a breakthrough in seeing a pattern right in front of us. These are moments where we suddenly form a new awareness of the impact of our own behavior and mindsets or where we see ourselves in a situation that we've been in thousands of times before. And yet just now we have an idea for a new choice instead of playing into the familiar storyline. Similarly, being at a place where we can extend compassion to ourselves and feel the things that lay underneath our defenses instead of staying in control or in defense, um, as we may have previously, is an opening process that leads to a richer life. Success isn't just about building ever greater structures um, on top of or outside. It can also be the fulfillment and the connection that we feel to ourselves and others, which is ultimately connected to vulnerability and a deep capacity to feel. So I'll be getting into more of this in detail. And first, just a few announcements. So you can follow me on Instagram at Sabrina Monarch. Um, I post things there that I don't tend to post other places. And you can also sign up for my mailing list to receive the weekly forecast every week. And it's also the best way to stay informed of when my astrology readings um, are open for booking. It's also a great way to stay in the know about when my courses open for enrollment. I teach an evolutionary astrology intensive around two times a year and really love to share the foundations of evolutionary astrology with you. So my astrology reading bookings are currently closed and I'm still taking on new clients for ongoing mentorship and coaching for a six month or one year commitment. So if you're interested in working with me in that capacity, please send me an email at sabrina at monarchastrology.com and let me know what you would like to um, explore together um, and we'll start a conversation. So my intensive is also currently in session. So you'll want to get on my mailing list to hear about when it opens again. So here's our week. On February 5th, Venus in five degrees of Aquarius will be conjunct Saturn in five degrees of Aquarius at 11.07 p.m. Pacific. So this is the beginning of a new Venus-Saturn cycle, a new synodic cycle between the two of them. It is highly important to have positive self-regard where we are already worthy. We do not have to achieve something or become something to be lovable. This is foundational. However, Venus Saturn can relate to the pleasures and satisfactions in life that are earned. So what are the differences? If we have a logical structure in our consciousness that we will be ready for connection with others or receiving love when we 
look a certain way or achieve a certain thing, what have you. This can be a sign that it is really our judgment and non-acceptance of self that we're using as a shield. It's kind of like a, it's our relationship with ourself of this isn't lovable. So this is also a place I'm not willing to receive. It's vulnerability to choose to love ourselves as we are now in our messes, in our imperfections, in the places where we're really struggling, right? Even if we have goals and we still intend on working toward them, we don't have to suffer in the interim. Fundamental self-worth is like giving our soul a nourishing home to live in. One who has a good soul home can still achieve things. We don't need to be in a barren, cold, solitary chamber to be motivated for betterment, which is a pattern with Saturnian thinking in our culture that we might decondition from. So where I'm getting this meditation is that Venus is about love and it's about our love of self and our basic needs and the ways that we love others and show up to relationship. And Saturn is a very, um, it can be like a, a withdrawn or a withholding or a very serious archetype. It's kind of like, you know, make sure that you jump through these hoops or climb this mountain and then you have access to this rarefied realm of mastery or um, excellence. And people with strong Saturnian drives can be very hard on themselves and also very ambitious. And they might move toward goals in the world while having a a critical or punitive inner nature. Um, And it is that quality of being able to compartmentalize and to say, like, I know this is hard, but suck it up. We're going to do the thing um, that can actually get people kind of far in a trajectory in their life um, because they're not. If they're driven and they're not listening to their own signals, they're just going to keep going. Right. So dropping into the Venusian to connection and to tenderness at the same time as engaging Saturn could be something like, you know, a lot of people with Venus Saturn connections in their chart have long lasting relationships. They have a certain stability in their love life or they're, they're serious about love. So the way that they date or the way that they create agreements with others actually creates a container for a relationship. It's not the most, um, flimsy or whimsical kind of placement. It's more like, let's have a conversation about where we're headed together and what common agreements we want to have and honor. (laughs) Like it's, uh, it's love and business put together. So thinking about how these drives relate to us, um, in our own experience, um, and how we can, you know, have a more beautiful Venus experience of Saturn and how we can commit or be devoted Saturn to what is beautiful. And if we're looking at Aquarius, we can be thinking about the individuation journey, the process of deconditioning from social norms that don't resonate with us at a core level and adopting new ways of life that match our inherent interests and gifts. 
At certain points in life, we might find ourselves changing, becoming more of ourselves, but noticing that if we were to step out and be visible with this change, that our friends might not be our friends anymore. We might not fit into the places that we once fit in. We might not fit into the roles that we've been accustomed into playing. So we can either take the leap and go forward into the unknown or settle to live half a life where we're using our energy to make other people, to make sure that other people don't find out who we really are. We might still belong, but it's a hollow belonging that eats at us. One of the more cynical things I've written. (laughs) Whether our current circles adapt and accept the new aspects of us, or we find ourselves resonating with different groups of people, individuation is a journey that comes with moments of isolation, moments of seeking and learning, and it comes with work, you might say. So when we've done that work and had that courage and we experience deeper connection on the other side, you might say we worked for it or earned it. Now, I want to clarify that sometimes certain relationship skill sets, which could be We could think of Saturn bringing formality or bringing structure to the Venusian, having a certain framework around how to communicate well, or a certain inner vulnerability practice and the capacity to communicate our feelings in a really authentic way. These things can relate to being able to change and not have that like be so catastrophic, right? Like if we think about relationships as like two people joined together on a journey, that can be dynamic and that one or both people are changing and there's this choice or there's this uh, connection where the change happens together. It's when one person or both people start to go off in different directions that the tension of, you know, are we still on the same path can come up. And when it comes to the theme of conformity versus individuation. It's like being in a social circle, like for me as an astrologer, um, I, I didn't really have, I would say like a close friend circle where people were like astrology is not like they were against it, but People do have that situation where you might have a hobby or something that you're really interested in and your friends just don't vibe with it and don't support it. So then it's an impasse of, do I continue to belong in this group? Um, Do I urge the people around me to connect with me and to be with me on this path? Or do I, you know, go off on my own? And it's not like a simple answer, right? And I think that Venus Saturn can try to make it like a very like clear cut, like, If you're not on this journey with me, then this like it just, you know, severs like Venus Saturn can be very um, serious like that. The whole uh, Marie Kondo, like if it doesn't spark joy, throw it out. I'm pretty sure she has Venus Saturn, but that is a kind of Venus Saturn concept of cutting what doesn't spark joy. Right. So it can be more punitive or more intense. And at the same time, possessing certain skills or growing in communities or growing in relationships where there's a certain deep foundation and a certain agility of capacity, then individuation might happen in a way that doesn't 
create a rift in those connections, but we could be at different places in that journey. You know, people who, um, are in a work environment that is not right for them. For example, they may be working really hard to fit in and to not just fit in socially, but kind of like in their system, in their nervous system, in their energetics, in their schedule, you know, putting themselves into that position where it might not actually feel resonant or like correct for them. So knowing whether it's we're going to engage at a deeper level with what already is, or we're going to take that leap um, into living a life that's more authentic and dealing with the isolation that comes along the individuation path. Um, there's a certain work, certain yeah, work or engagement that goes into that process. And then when we're on the other side and we feel so much more connected and it's so much more, um, it's like we're being ourselves and we're loved for being ourselves instead of being loved for being a false self. It is a very special kind of like, wow, like this is something that I've, I've worked toward kind of feeling. And that coexists, right, with inherent worthiness, ultimately loving yourself where you're at. So if you can hold that paradox of loving yourself now and still aspiring where your soul is pulling you because we're here on an evolutionary journey and we're all growing and not needing a punitive attitude to be the driver of such change, um, then you're well set up. So I wrote, so simultaneously, it is a reality that we can love ourselves as we are now as a profound act of self-care and recognize that certain elevated desired experiences in life require our willingness and effort. February 6th, Venus in six degrees of Aquarius will sextile Chiron in six degrees of Aries. I don't talk about Chiron every week, but I'm talking about Chiron and Athena this week. So this is at 3.43 a.m. February 6th. A key to connection and relatedness highlighted at the moment could be the willingness to be first. Being first could have a variety of manifestations like being the first to reach out or expressing a sentiment or an idea that is really alive for you and you're the one starting the conversation about it. Often when something is brewing inside of us that feels nascent or emergent, we're not the only ones in the environment feeling that way. And we may just be the first who articulated it or found some clarity or the first who had the, the initiative to bring it out into the open. Um, so that can be an opening process this week of tuning into where that might be happening in your field of noticing people bringing forth something that has been brewing um, or you stepping out and saying something. The sun in 18 degrees of Aquarius will trine the lunar north node in 18 degrees of Gemini. That also means it makes a sextile to the south node in Sagittarius. Um, and I wrote, situations may be arising that encourage us to take on the role of the experimenter the scientist, the researcher, to observe that there is a question in our experience, something that we do not yet understand. 
Sometimes we may experience a conflict or an impasse in our lives that we do not have the answer to. Happens often. Um, And we do not experience it as a problem or something bad, but rather as a curious opening for a larger experience of life. That's kind of like a, um, a fun attitude to have about life, right? Because we could have a problem and feel greatly distressed or even victimized by it versus to see it as a kind of curious opening for evolution and expansion on the journey of life. It's a little bit of a mindset shift, um, but it makes life kind of like a treasure hunt or something instead of a series of uh, obstacles. We intuitively know not to rush for an answer or a control mechanism, but to follow the impasse to a kind of paradigm shift. Venus in six degrees of Aquarius will square Uranus in six degrees of Taurus, 7.33 p.m. This electrified Venus, because we already have Venus in Aquarius and it's square Uranus, This electrified Venus may relate to some developments in self-awareness, noticing, observing what really draws our attention and our desire to be involved and where we feel more detached, aloof, or distant. Even just noticing that, where is my attraction? Where is my repulsion? This information on what attracts or repels us can be a read on how accordant or discordant we are with our deeper wishes and desires. For example, many who desire real love and partnership, committed partnership, can also find that they're drawn to unavailable people. We might want to register where our desires and our actions feel cross-wired and not to feel like we have to do something about it or to feel bad about it, but just to be soberly aware of that crosswire. Um, because once we know that we are in discordance, we can watch ourselves playing out that pattern and be aware of it consciously instead of doing it unconsciously. We can start to imagine or envision an alternative and become open to information, teachings, experiences, which offer us pathways for connecting to what we do desire. And if you want to think about it, like why it helps to just accept and witness it is because on the path of transformation, when we are contracted and resisting and hating on and judging where we are at, um, it's kind of like a quicksand energy or something where it's like it entrenches us further in the pattern. And when we can start to watch it and be like, Hmm, there I am doing that thing again. Um, and have that forgiveness or that kind of like spaciousness for it. It helps to start unwind it essentially. And even, you know, we're consciously noticing it maybe, you're a journal writer or something and you're like, I'm talking about the same stuff that I talk about every day. And then it kind of starts to open up to 
you know, what would it be like if this situation were easier or different? You know, asking those kind of curiosity questions and starting to make new um, connections or new pathways open up. February 7th, 2021, Mercury retrograde and 20 degrees of Aquarius will conjunct Pallas Athena and 20 degrees of Aquarius at 4.30 p.m. So Pallas Athena, here an asteroid, one of the asteroid goddesses, um, she is a warrior philosopher goddess. She has a creative intelligence and genius in a somewhat ruthless manner. When she has her sight on a target, she is the embodiment of when there is a will, there is a way. She is able to do this because she is a master strategist and she recognizes patterns. She is a trickier personality component or ally to have when our goals are not coming from a clear or heart-centered place. But she is a wonderful ally when we are coming from a clear or embodied or true place. So do you associate cunning and deceit? Oh, no. Do you associate cunning with deceit or poor morals? Sometimes people who identify as good people or want to be good, who do not want to harm anyone, are reticent to fully own their strategic power, leaving strategy for the wolves uh, or for, for people with like predatory consciousness, so to say. Uh, because there's like a collusion here between the concept of being cunning and clever and strategic with being bad. So consider if you invest in strategy or have disregarded it as too calculating. Many people have visionary ideas, but strategy is part of what brings visionary ideas to life. So thinking about this, um, opportunity to recognize if you play with your creative intelligence, aka strategy, or have a judgment on it. February 8th, Mercury retrograde in 20 degrees of Aquarius will conjunct the sun in 20 degrees of Aquarius at 5.48 a.m. So Mercury and the sun fuse forces um, for this moment. This can look like a visitation from the messenger Hermes, whether it is a charged idea that visits our consciousness, a letter, or a peculiar synchronicity that feels like a message from the universe from one of our many guides or angels. Receiving messages from the universe is not necessarily a given, but a process that we engage. Just like in a friendship, you are more likely to receive communication from that friend if you are communicating. If you stop talking for years, it is like radio silence. If we want to expand the sources from which we receive insight and intuition, we have to expand the conversation. Prayer, creating an altar, talking to the universe, honoring our ancestors, talking to angels, having a divination practice, etc. There's many different ways, but these are all some ways that we could show up for this conversation with the universe. And regularly contacting our soul or our higher self 
can be a powerful practice as well. Imagine building a bond with the deepest part of yourself and deepening your trust with yourself. Beginning to contact our own soul or higher self can be a process of recognizing our disconnection and coming home. What we pay attention to grows. So if we have abandoned ourself, our deeper or deepest self to please others or to fit in in the world, we are paying attention to a superficial layer of ourselves and relating to ourselves as that. So starting to talk to the soul though, the soul will speak back. The first contact can feel shocking. It's like a remembrance of coming back online. I Part of practicing evolutionary astrology has really been a, a language that has put me into this deep contact with soul. And it's a really enlivening process to feel connected to your own soul. And I'm remembering, you know, as I was writing this, I was kind of getting a memory of hearing um, Raquel Mantra talk about how she writes letters or like she journals to her soul. And I remember when I heard that, that a part of me, my, in my body, my consciousness was just like, yes, like I felt this hit of truth in that of what would happen writing letters to the soul. Um, and it's something that I have done at more maybe difficult times in life because I think we can look to the soul or to spirit when we're struggling and we're looking for a guide. But imagine having that conversation really frequently and that being a kind of intimacy practice with the deepest part of yourself, um, which I think can be helpful because... Sometimes things feel off, like we don't feel a total resonance with the choices that we're making or the life that we're building. And we just kind of sweep that discomfort under the rug. Yet if we go under the rug, talk to the soul, have this conversation with this deep part of ourselves, um, we start to get clarity at a depth level and it may influence the opportunities that we move toward and the choices that we make. I like to think too that part of astrology is like having a conscious connection with the planets that if you have a lunar practice and you even just work with the new and the full moon, it's like the moon knows that you're paying attention. So similarly, your soul is in there, like you are your soul and talking to the soul, I think it wakes up parts of ourselves that have gone dormant or sleepy. And that feeling of waking up from within is really, um, really powerful. February 9th, Saturn in six degrees of Aquarius will sextile Chiron in six degrees of Aries at 3 a.m. So the sweet balm of time, the healer of wounds, chirotic experiences can put us in touch with a pain that goes deeper than the event that triggered it. It draws us to seek answers. There also comes a time along the path of life where we notice that we are not pained by the things that we once were, that the pain has diminished because the knowledge and experience we've collected along, along the way has soothed it. Um, because it's a gentle aspect, the Saturn Chiron 
there may be a way that things that feel activating for us right now can feel historic, like this is deeper than the event that's triggering it. But also we might have this refreshing noticing of having made progress, um, feeling like we've healed a, a significant degree about something that used to feel impossible. And that feels like a miracle. Sun in 21 degrees of Aquarius will be conjunct Pallas Athena in 21 degrees of Aquarius, 11.50 a.m. As with Mercury this week, the Sun and Pallas Athena fuse and join forces. There could be an importance here of sourcing a willingness and a morale within ourselves to figure out the pressing mysteries or puzzles in our lives. I know I said earlier not to rush it. <laughs> That's true too, but another perspective here. Athena favored heroes. She likes to help the people who are trying. So symbolically, you may say that there are forces that conspire to help and guide us when we have made the choice to pursue a vision and to endure and keep experimenting even when we fail. It can be the fates pulling strings that we are not privy to. It can show up as people who sympathize with us and want to help us. We might also notice this impulse if we are in a position to be benevolent toward others that we want to assist people who have heart in the game. So I want to stay with this concept for another moment of what does it mean that Athena likes heroes and she wants to help the people who are trying? So the hero has a similar energy to the underdog. At least the way I'm thinking of it here. Kind of thinking about it in like an Aries kind of quality where the hero goes up against certain obstacles in life that feel mythic. Um, if you read the biographies of people who have done amazing things and seeing kind of what challenges appeared along the way, not only is there this kind of mystical order to what happened in the sense that their very life challenges were the training ground for the magic that became of their lives, but sometimes there's a through line in their story that they really had this will to, to succeed, not even necessarily to succeed, but to triumph. It's a little bit of a different energetic, um, to make it to the, um, that heroic moment. And in the hero's journey, the hero actually attracts guides and helpers. Like when we're in the energy of the hero, um, and there's other ways that hero can be used in a way, like in a shadow way, or it's kind of like, don't be a hero or like that kind of thing. So it's not like the hero is a perfect archetype or perfect character. Um, but that desire to, to make it that desire to overcome, there's a certain heart in that there's a certain courage. It's a, a moving toward a goal that is not promised. It is, um, melting every day into the dream and it's kind of visionary or it's, um, it's lofty. Right. And I think that it tugs at our heartstrings, like our own hearts, because it's vulnerable to go for what we want 
and to live in that kind of honesty and to know that we could fail. But it also inspires other people's sympathies, aka the guides that show up. And Athena as an archetype is um, she just kind of has that sympathy for heroes. She likes she's a supporter of heroes. And I think that based on this being a general kind of like archetypal truth, a general pattern, that um, there's a certain kind of world that opens when we decide that we are going to try. Some would say even don't use the word try because it implies, you know, there is no try. You only do. Um, So we might ditch that word, who knows, but to actually engage and move toward the desired experience takes courage and it takes heart and it does open up a kind of archetypal benevolence. There's a humility that goes into it too, because being having bravado or being arrogant or being a bulldozer, being a bully in the hero energy doesn't necessarily invite the same support and love. It invites more adversarial energy. Many people naturally find their motivation shifting the farther they move along a goal-based trajectory. This is so natural. It simply means that we've gained insight and integrated that insight, but it happens through direct experience most of the time, meaning that we have to live it out. One of my um, psychology teachers talked about this in this concept, I think, but the way she was talking about it was with our life plan. Like she had this imagining of what her life would be like as she was growing up. And she had a certain, like, by the time I'm 20, by the time I'm 25, and she had it all kind of laid out. And that's not how her life went. And you can imagine that having that vision, even if it doesn't come true, the simple act of investing in that vision and moving toward it tends to um, open up the path and different things come along. So it's kind of like that original vision is the fire that lights us and lights our way, but there's going to be um, a certain dynamism or aliveness of the journey. And it's also natural to find our methods shifting as we move farther along a trajectory. One may use the tools available to them only to discover later on in the path, more refined tools that served the journey better. But one often had to use those earlier tools to even get to the places of discovering more refined ones. Yeah, like imagine going through the world with a little bit more of a strategic consciousness and a little bit less heart. And through the process of um, getting what you wanted because you were so strategic and you you hit the target and then you are in the experience and you're like, shouldn't I be happy or feel something now? Why don't I? You know, and then that vulnerability and the heart opening that comes from that and learning at that point some tools or some different ways of being in reality that might be more connected or might be more heart-centered 
and noticing that there was that more ruthless energy leading up that opened that. Um, and that's just, that's evolution. That's transmuting something more crude into something more, um, enlightened, so to say. And in a more, you know, benign example too, something that I like to tell people that I'm working with around, uh, being in the world, being in public, being online is that, as your craft progresses, you might get better at things like video editing skills, which I don't do. I don't edit these videos, right? Um, you can look back at people's YouTube channels and watch the first videos and see how unrefined they are in comparison to where they got. And it's like, if you just show up and do the thing and are on the path, you will naturally evolve your skill sets. Um, so if you're looking at someone's YouTube channel who's been doing it for years and you're comparing yourself to them, go look at their original videos that might still be up that they didn't delete and see what it was like back then. So thinking about the okayness of the tools or the ways that we work with reality evolving as we're on the path because we are able to work with what we know and we increasingly learn from our errors or find more practical or more enlightened ways to do things. Mercury retrograde in 15 degrees of Aquarius will trine the North Node in Gemini at 11.09 a.m. Pacific. In this case, we have the ruler of the North Node in Gemini, so Mercury rules Gemini, trining the node it currently rules. This could be magical for communication, specifically helping bring events together. In the flow of events, each element, fire, earth, air, and water, has its place in the story. The air element, so we have Mercury and the north node of the moon in air signs, Gemini and Aquarius. We move forward in the story of the, via the exchange of ideas. This could be a catalyzing conversation that sparks a new vision or direction or loosens us up in a place we've gotten stuck. It could also be the way that we put out the word about something and events and people show up in alignment. It's one thing to feel into a wish or a need or a desire at the water or the feeling or the emotional level and to work with that by verbalizing it, air, and become available for the connections that would ensue as a result. It's interesting because with a lot of these elemental processes, there can be um, these philosophies that kind of put one on a pedestal and downgrade the other, where someone's like, this is all talk and no action. And it's like, well, talk turns into action, right? And maybe there's too much action at some point and we need to slow down and talk about it or feel the impact of these actions and come up with new ideas about how it could be better, right? So they're all kind of like fluidly interchanging with each other. And it's nice to really feel into the energetics of the different elemental qualities of fire, earth, air, and water, and know where we need to move, like which one is imbalanced and if we have this kind of magical emphasis right now with air, it's 
looking at the ways that our voice and putting something out there in the word on social media, in a conversation with a friend, in a um, counseling kind of conversation, whatever it is that the word can catalyze changes in reality too. Um, so tune into where that is a magical opportunity for you this week. And if it's staying silent, <laughs> that's fine too. But uh, bring it back to your intuition and what feels like the magical next step in the story of your life. Thank you for listening. Leave a comment. Let me know what you think and how this is landing for you. Subscribe um, both to my YouTube channel and my mailing list, and I'll see you next week. Thank you for listening. Do check out the link in the notes for the Pillars of Creative Mastery talk. And if you've been enjoying this podcast and you have something to say about it, I would love to read your review. If you take a screenshot of your review on Apple Podcasts or iTunes before you click submit and email it to me at sabrina at monarchastrology.com, I will send you a resource library about creating and elevating your reality. These are ways that I have worked with combining teachings around manifestation with astrology manifestation and depth psyche exploration. I've worked with these teachings to shift my programming, to change my brain chemistry, to rewire myself away from chronic depression and to experience just a happier life and easier access to peak experience um, and working with integrating those peak experiences or that sense of joy into my daily life as a way of creating and elevating my reality. So I would love to share that with you. And um, all you have to do is review this podcast and take a screenshot and email it to me. Go ahead and find me on Instagram also at Sabrina Monarch. And I'll see you soon or talk to you soon.